0: You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. So a couple of days ago, my dad had to come over to my house and bring his his lawnmower to help me get my yard mowed because my lawnmower has a steering mechanism issue. We had to take that into the shop and they have to work on it. But but my dad was here and it was great to have my dad come over and be able to to lend me a hand and and uh, it was good to see him. You know you don't get to spend a lot of time with him as you get older. And um, came and you know helped me was mowing the yard and everything. And he got his lawnmower stuck and I mean it was stuck. There's this area in my yard it's kind of like a yeah, you know it's Louisiana let's call it a swamp. It's a swampy area in my yard. And his mower was bogged down and he was like come on help you got to help me get this out of here and we you know I we tried to like push like a couple of times. I'm like, it ain't budging. And so we had to like back his truck up and get this, this, uh, rope and, and tie it to it. And we pulled it out pretty easily with the truck. No, it was not a problem, but it left a rut in my yard. Now, this is not the first time this has happened. Like our, our worship leader, Zach, got his truck stuck in my yard one time and we tried to pull it out and push it out and put boards under the wheels and we tried everything we could we couldn't we couldn't budget and so we ended up actually having a call for help we had to call like he had a, a relative that lived pretty close to to where we live and we just called and said we need help And this has happened numerous times. We've had delivery drivers, other friends, and and members of the Awaken Church over the last few years that have been to our home and and parked in a wet spot and got stuck. Even (laughs) members of my own household have gotten stuck and had to call out, we need help every single time we needed to call for help. In these situations how would how would you have handled this and how do you handle this when you get stuck because there are times in life when we get stuck and we can't get out of the mess we're in on our own now sometimes it may seem funny but 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 other times when the stakes are higher and the damage is severe it's not funny. And we know what it's like to be there. So so we're in the middle of a series about five awakenings we go through. And as we're finding our way back to God, and, and the first awakening uh, is this. we At first, we awaken to identity, recognizing we all have a longing for love, purpose, and meaning. And these longings are given to us by God and can only be met in a relationship with God. But like the prodigal son, which is what we're going to read it's the story from again today, uh, like the prodigal son, we all know that it's what it's like to try and fulfill these longings on our own, and we find ourselves disappointed and hurt, and, and we awaken to regret. And we can, we can get caught in a cycle of searching for fulfillment on our own terms, and disappointment and regret. It becomes a cycle. Searching for fulfillment, disappointment, regret. Searching for fulfillment, disappointment, regret. And doing it all over again, thinking, this time it will be different. Now, if this goes on long enough, we can give up. Today, know this. You don't have to give up. Awaken to hope. And and if you're if you're there right now, if you're hearing this this message, know this. Don't give up because you can know this. You can awaken to hope. And again, I just want to give credit where it's due. The themes for this series, awaken to the the five awakenings that we go through. Uh, coming from this book, Finding Your Way Back to God, by Dave and John Ferguson. And I highly recommend that you read that book. But let's dig into the message for today. And it's based on Luke 15 and the uh, the parable of the prodigal son, this famous story that Jesus told. And so let's begin at verse 11. To illustrate his point, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth among his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am, dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Now we're gonna we're gonna stop there. The story goes on, and we're gonna get there. We're the next next two weeks. We're gonna go in. We're going we're gonna take the rest of this part of the parable, the story, uh, and, and dig deeper into that. But today we're gonna focus on this part, especially that verse twenty. So let's look at that again. He returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. So here's our big idea. When we admit we can't fulfill our longings on our own, we discover there's hope, and that hope has a name. When we admit that we can't fulfill all our longings on our own, we discover there's hope, and that hope has a name. Now, now let's uh, hope begins when we admit we need help. Okay, hope begins when we admit that we need help. I know this is countercultural right now to 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 to, to admit. <laughs> That, that you may need help outside of yourself. But in the world of recovery, we're familiar with what's called the 12 steps. And I have a, a number of friends who have been through the recovery process, and they say that the first step is the most difficult. Anyone know what the first step is? It's this. We admit that we are powerless over our addictions. In other words, we admit we can't do it on our own. Asking for help isn't easy, is it? Maybe, maybe you're tired of, uh, of pulling on a door that won't open. Maybe, maybe today you're, you're ready to break free from the cycle of disappointment and regret. Awakening to hope is finding a new direction. When, when, when the prodigal son came to his senses, he decided he needed a new direction. This is called repentance. And remember that repentance is, is turning around and going back where you belong, okay? The son in Jesus' story got up and went to his father. He went home. He found home and hope. This is a game changer. It is in this awakening that that we discover that real hope arises when we stop trying to find fulfillment in ourselves. This is coming. This is coming wide awake. That it, to understand, it's okay to realize and admit I can't do this on my own. It's okay. That's why this week's prayer is, and and we'll we'll give you this again at the end of the sermon, But the prayer is, God, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me a willingness to turn toward you for help and find my hope in you. So a little later, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, 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 to pray that prayer. But I just wanted to give you a heads up. So we're going to give you an opportunity to take the step and turn toward God and, and for help and for hope. But first, let's talk about the kind of reception you'll find when you turn to God. Hope is found in the God who runs... God who runs. You know, we just finished up the Summer Olympics, the the twenty twenty one Tokyo uh, Olympics, and um, every time the Olympics come, and I've said this before, I get I, I just find inspiration from athletes and from their stories, and I was reminded of this one story uh, as I was you know contemplating that hope is found in the God who runs, the Father in the story runs and embraces his son, and there's this British runner named Derek Redmond. In the 1992 Barcelona Olympics, I would encourage you to type Google his story, read his story. Derek Redmond, from a British runner in the 1992 Barcelona Olympics. Now, he fell. I mean, he, he he got injured, and he couldn't like he looked like he could not finish the race. And he got up and was like trying to hobble to finish the race. And out of the out of the you know the support area, his father comes running up to him. Embraces him, puts his arm around him, and helps him, and together they walk and hobble across the finish line. Did he win? Did, he, did he win his event? No, but Derek Redmond finished the race, and hope happened. Hope was found when the father came and embraced him and, and, and walked alongside him. Put yourself in Derek Redmond's place. How would you have felt? You've trained your whole life for this, and now it's like you can't finish, but there's this love of a father. That comes alongside you and says, we'll finish this race together. Have you ever experienced this kind of love? In the story Jesus tells, while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced and kissed him. This is a big deal. A really big deal. When we read this story, I don't think we get how big a deal this was. In the culture that Jesus told this story in in the 1st century middle east to see a father the male the patriarch of the family running like this it would have been an, it would have been seen as an undignified thing in order to run to his son the father had to lift up his robe exposing his legs which is culturally a no-no by the way in this culture and to, and, and and add to that He's a, he's a grown, important, respected man. And grown, important, respected men don't run anywhere. That's the culture. I'm not saying that's, that's our reality. I'm just saying that's the culture. I mean, I'm grown. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, don't, I mean, I don't like to run, but I do. You know, people come people come to them. That's the point. The father doesn't run to his children. The children come to their father. Not the other way around. So, so it's like you know, it's like me as a father, when I want one of my boys' attention, I'll say, "Come here." I don't. I typically don't run to them. It's just it's just how how we're wired. There are times I do go, but but usually it's like I, I want to talk to you about something. Come here. I want to show you something. Come here. This is the this was the culture. This was the father not saying, "Okay, I see you coming. Come on, come here." But saying, "I see you coming, and I'm I'm running to you," this is there's something else that's really significant about this part of Jesus' story. In that culture, a young man who had taken his father's money and blown it on wild living in a distant land would have experienced a very different reception as he tried to make his way home. Typically, the people of the town would have stopped the son at the town gates and held a ceremony that's called kizaza. Try saying that kazaza. Now say it 3 times fast. <laughs> kazaza, which means it, it means cutting off. Kazaza means cutting off. This was a ceremony that that w- would be like the people would not allow the young man to enter the town but outside the city gates. They would see him coming a long way off. And outside the city gates they would wait. And where they would take this clay pot and they would smash it in front of him. Kazaza, and they would say "Kazaza, you have broken our community you are now cut off from us never to return this was this was what is awaiting the son this is the reception the son would have expected and in the contact context of the culture it's what he would have deserved but the father in jesus story goes counter-cultural he had been waiting and waiting for his son's return. He's watching and looking for his son's return. He never gave up on the prodigal. And when the son was still a long way off, the father runs. He runs to the prodigal child. It's undignified. It's humiliating. But he runs to greet his son and protect him from Kezazah before anyone can say, no, you're cut off from us. Before anyone can smash the clay pot and say this is the relationship with you in this community. The father embraces his son and showers him with kisses. He's he, he's done everything to deserve Kizaza. Everything to, to deserve to be cut off from his community. Everything to deserve to be cut off from his family. Everything to deserve to be cut off from the, the culture and the church. But no, Jesus says the father runs to him and says no way. you you, I, I'm going to embrace you and showers him with kisses. Heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss in this moment. The Father in Jesus' story represents God. Are you tracking with this? This is the God who waits and watches for you too. When we come to the point when we admit that, that we've blown it and that we need help. This is how God responds to us. This is the God who runs to meet us right where we are. His arms wide open and is in it with acceptance and love and hope. And everyone else may say, Kazaza, you're cut off. But I'm telling you, Father God is saying, I love you. Welcome home. You belong here. You see, hope, hope isn't just a feeling or, or, or a thought or an idea. Hope has a name. The Father in this story shows us God. But we also get to know God through the storyteller, right? The most important step in our awakening to hope is to meet this storyteller. The whole reason Jesus told the story of the prodigal son was to help us find our way back to God. And so the reason he knows so much about finding God is because Jesus is God. Jesus shows us that God isn't just a higher power out there up there jesus Jesus, God's not just the universe. Jesus shows us that god a God who is fully present and active. He is a relational God who longs to be close to us. Jesus is God with us. Another one of the Gospel writers put it this way, St John. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. He personifies the beginning, the Word of God. That's Jesus. C.S. Lewis wrote, The only way Hamlet could discover anything about Shakespeare would be if Shakespeare wrote himself into the play. You see, God wrote himself into our story by coming in the person of Jesus if we want to know what what kind of God is waiting for us to find our way back to him, Jesus shows us the kind of God who is waiting for us to come to him. A God who is always present. Jesus shows us a God who is always present. God doesn't leave us. We can leave God, but God says, I'm, I'm not leaving you. A God who is full of grace, a God who is full of grace. Just Jesus shows us a God who is full of grace. There's no condemnation for those who are in Jesus. There's grace for those who come. Jesus shows us a God who cares. A God who cares. He bends down to meet our needs. He runs to us because he cares. Jesus shows us a God who is for us. He is for us, sacrificing Himself when we're helpless to save ourselves. Some of us, some of us have been taking a challenge to pray every day. Uh, as we started this series, God, make Yourself real to me. And I hope you've taken that challenge. It, it can, it can, it can revitalize your prayer life to begin your day with prayer. God, make Yourself real to me. And if you've been praying, are you seeing God show up in your life? Maybe he's making himself known to you right now. Maybe it's time to come home. And if you've not been praying daily, God, make yourself real to me, and you're still struggling with the idea of a God who is real to you, maybe it's because you're not praying. (laughs) Maybe it's time to come home. You've chased a lot of things looking for love for purpose, for meaning. But all you have left at the end of the day is regret. Now maybe you've been hesitant to return. Maybe it's been a been an issue of pride or uncertainty or, or fear or shame. Maybe it's been your own kind of kazaza, telling yourself you can't return to God, that you've been cut off. I want to say as clearly as I can, you can always come home to God. No matter what you did, no matter what you said, no matter what they did, no matter what they said, you can always come home to God. And if you choose to come home to God, He will run to you. He will He will come with arms wide open. You will find hope, and that hope has a name, Jesus. So here's your next step. Here's your next step. Pray to God. Open yourself up to finding God in a deeper and life-changing way. And this week's prayer, here it is again. God, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the willingness to turn towards you for help and to find my hope in you. You can start your do-over with God today. And you can awaken to hope today. Return to God today and give your life back to God. Father, Thank you, thank you, thank you that you are the father in this story. That you are the God who runs. (laughs) Thank you that while I was still a long way off you saw me coming and filled with love and compassion you ran to me and embraced and kissed me. Thank you, God. Now God, Make yourself real to us. Awaken in us a willingness to turn towards you for help and to find our hope in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Nakedish podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at L A.